Welcome, Jurassic fans, to the 173rd episode of your other nerd podcast. I'm Daniel, your host, and this is the secret silhouette behind our threads page, Matthew Millen. Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel, Danny boy, good sir, how are you today in this lovely, chilly, and rainy day? Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I love what a rainy day. beautiful day it is. It is for us goth. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we synchronized the evil laughter. What the hell? <laughs> good, good. Great minds think alike. That was a bit scary, but yeah. Hey. Jurassic hey. <laughs> good to have everyone here in this pretty demonic afternoon after what we just did. <laughs> That's right. Embrace the demons. <laughs> sure, I guess. I was here because it was a Wendy's, but sure, yeah, let's do it. Sure, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> oh, God. You guys, it's awesome to have all of you here. Just before I get started with the episode, there was something I'd like to mention to you, Matt, because I'm sure hmm. that you'll be delighted. So... Oh, please indulge me. <laughs> So, kind sir, we have reached another pretty cool number. We now have uh, 3,368 mm. plays in the uh, all-time chart. So, yeah, we're growing. That is marvelous. Indeed, our plays are burgeoning. They are growing exponentially. New milestone unlocked. Yeah. yeah. Also a new state in the U.S., Delaware. Huh. You guys. Thank you so much. Sorry, what? Delaware. Oh, nice. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. I hope you guys enjoy our crazy ramblings. Yeah. I, I was under the impression that Delaware was a pretty tiny place. And I guess it's still something like uh, the country part of the, the US, right? Mm. It's like I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, that's what I can remember about that. I mean, it's kind of like that, really, in the U.S., right? Like, uh, in the East Coast and the, the West Coast, you have a lot of development. And then between those two coasts, it's like uh, farms and more farms. And a few deserts mm. in between. So, right, yeah, it's kind of like Brazil as well. You know, like, around the yeah. coast, you have a lot of development. You go to the countryside, it's forests to the eyes can see. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And well, big, big uh, plantations. Yeah, you have that as well. Oh, I hate that. But then again, mm -hmm. I still need that to survive, right? Because yeah, I love well, me corn. Someone has to produce food, right? Yes, of course, right? It's just necessary. Mm -hmm. So, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, as I mentioned, the intro for this episode, we do have a threads page that is being managed by Matthew Millen himself. Yes. So every yeah. time uh, every time you uh, see something like a reaction or something like that, it's Matthew because I do not do anything there. And Matt, you've been doing a lot of great work, eh? You already got us 245 followers on threads. So, oh yeah, I hope it increases even more. We we're counting on you guys. We need you. Yeah, but I mean, we started this three days ago, and you already got this many people. So, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> right out. So, 
I guess we can now get started with a chapter 30. We're doing Purified by Fire today. Remember, you guys, yeah. you can actually get the Kindle version or the physical version, if you feel like, of An Unwanted Discovery, our book on Amazon. Link in the description down below. Matthew, if you Please feel like... Please do acquire our book <laughs> and read and give us your feedback. Yes. We will share it and we will thank you forever. Indeed. Very well then. If you feel like starting it. Alrighty, let's go. Chapter 30. Purified by Fire. Alexander Bozeman sat in front of us, his head down and a hand brought to his mouth that removed his fingernails with pinpoint accuracy. Around us, trophies rested on their hooks, seeming to watch with their glass eyes the unfolding scene. Keen and Frost sat at two opposite ends of the room, Lucy and I in the middle, and a coffee table separated us from our host who was looking at us with glasses down on the end of his nose. On the table was the customary tray of coconut candy, from which Lucy eagerly served herself. Of us, she was naturally chosen as the spokesperson. We conclude then that the animals are in perfect health and are even reproducing. Excellent! Bozeman commented with a faint smile, and then, rubbing his hands together, he continued. Well, I believe that's all, isn't it? Your expedition was a tremendous success. It will be an even greater success, Mr. Bozeman. Well, you see, the creatures are in really good shape, as I told you. But they'll be in an even better state now that the lake has been restored. The lake? How? There was no heavy rain or anything like that. True, but you see... Just as some unknown person tried to affect nature negatively by installing that pond pup, so did we. I reversed the direction of the pumping. I contribute in a timid tone. Y you Why, but... Uh... Does that worry you? Lucy asked, crossing her arms. Me? Of course not. How could it? It's just that... Uh... With the water coming in so close, it's possible that they will uh, spread to my farm, too. But why would they do that if they didn't do it before the pump was installed? Well, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Don't worry, sir. We will continue to preserve this species and study it. They are no longer at risk of extinction. That's, uh, that's great. Good to hear. Uh, why don't you sanitize yourself for dinner as soon as possible? I have some business to take up with Alma in the meantime. Keen was the first to run to the restroom, taking almost an hour to return from there. Having wiped off all the mud that had previously covered him, Lucy went soon after, and I found myself surrounded by people, but still alone. Keen and Frost were fervently discussing the point raised earlier about pets being helped or not. And the Bozemans were in the kitchen, whispering. It was obvious that they didn't have much talent for that, as their chat was perfectly audible to anyone who approached the doorway. They had no talent or hearing, perhaps. 
I had no moral ethics against eavesdropping, and I overheard things like, this would greatly increase our profits, and we could retire in two months, as well as, what a shame, and phrases like that. Going against my instincts, I walked away and went to the room that had been provided for us. On the way, a torrent sound came from the bathroom where Lucy was. The sound was then interspersed with the sound of a fall and a voice complaining of pain. At least she was right. The next door to the right was to be the bunk room. The wall was painted a melancholic blue, reminiscent of the colors once used to cheer up a child. In front of the bed, a large swinging window opened to the dark Everglades night. Here, the sound of animals was the only one to be heard, and by closing the bedroom door, natural light was also the only one. What had we even conquered so far? With my chin resting on my hands and them on the window still, I couldn't help but wonder. We had followed these clues to find out where surviving prehistoric animals were, and we had succeeded. But now, what to do with this information? We could not have announced to the world the existence of Leptoclitus in the Hluleka Reserve, or more hunters would end up like Baruti Alia. And now, why would we risk doing it with the Steposaurs and have the same result? There should be a way, a way to teach people the importance of those beings without first killing them. But which way? Sighing, I moved my eyes from the stars to the alligators swimming placidly a few meters away, wishing that the steposaurs were as common as they were, or that, like them, they were protected by law. Just then, I heard Alexander's voice calling for dinner and left the window to rejoin the Bozemans and my team. The mood that evening was much more energetic, with Frost and King bringing their discussion to the table. Lucy telling how she survived her fall, and now my postman describing how it was the first and only time they had ever been to the beach, not caring if anyone even listened to her. I could hardly say anything in the midst of so many voices, and I missed the silence that I had experienced in the room. All around me, voices mingled, and I understood fractions of what was being said. So, only white animals matter? To the environment, but of course. I'm running out of candies. And I felt blood running down the back of my neck. Lucy was speaking directly to me, but I didn't understand her voice in the midst of such a racket. Noticing my confusion, Lucy hurried to finish her plate of alligator tail and let me outside to the porch. God, thank you, I said with a sigh, leaning myself against one of the pilasters. Come on, it's not like I appreciate that much noise, Bridley. Anyway, you look haggard. Aside from constantly running from monsters and traveling without rest, is anything bothering you? I couldn't help but laugh at the remark. Soon, however, the answer to her question came to my mind and extinguished my smile. After, well, what happened in Omji, we embarked on this trip to prove that Dad was right, but what have we proven so far? Kevin, 
Dad was always fascinated by the unknown and the mysterious facts. True, he loved to receive honor from the scientific community even more, but the animals themselves were pretty important to him. Besides, I thought, what honor did he ever get if he could never bring back concrete evidence? We will preserve the creatures. That's what matters. After they are safe, we can think about environmental education. Do you think we could convince anyone? Why not? We could use King's students, for example. They already idolize him so much that they would certainly support him if he sent them to defend an endangered species. Besides, that convinced you that all this way was real before you saw anything. And even worse, he convinced me, who vowed never to chase illusions with him. The memory of Anthony Lane's phone call to summon Lucy flashed into my memory like a movie. Also, we have more charm than he does, just by doing the voice, Don't we, my boy? She asked, imitating Lane's parental tone. With a laugh, she finished by saying, Are you going back to that pandemonium, or do you prefer the mosquitoes? I'll take the quieter ones. I'll be back after dessert, said Lucy, closing the door. As I was alone, but at least silence surrounded me, and not the horrid sound of voices blending together like a bad mixer, I took advantage of the stillness to sit in Alma's rocking chair and continue meditating. The value of effort, the commitment and its result. These thoughts unsettled me but processing them was the only way to calm myself. I don't remember the moment when the thoughts gave way to fatigue, but one last thought was followed by the dawn. With my eyes still clouded, I felt my skin shiver, even with the flannel covering me. I opened my eyelids further and realized that I was not alone. Beside me, in another chair, Lucy had a wide-awake and somber expression, her big brown eyes fixed on mine. The dessert took too long. When I came back, you were already out. Bringing my hand to my temple to fight the pain, I asked. Do we have another expedition today? Unless you want to hear Mrs. Bozeman tell another story. She teased. Nah, no problem. Are the others ready yet? Dr. King and Mr. Frost are in the kitchen talking to Alma. Alexander left earlier, said he was going to the city. Then he walked past me and saw me in this miserable state. Good. Come on, you grouch. Your physical condition isn't any better just because you woke up. I need to go back to the room to collect some belongings and you need a shower, bro. Yes, ma'am. Mechanically, I walked down the hallway, reaching the bathroom without having to meet anyone, as everyone was in the kitchen. I could occupy myself thinking about what we would do now that the animals were safe. Why hadn't we left yet? What else was there to be done? And why did Lucy think I wouldn't understand that the belongings in the bedroom were the candies under her pillow? There was a lot to think about that cold morning. In the shower, I had to wash every piece of clothing, as we had not brought extra items, for we thought we would only stay for a few days.
I would go back out into the wind wearing soaked clothes, perhaps staying that way until nightfall. Hypothermia would hit me hard, but at least I would die clean. Even over the sound of rushing water, I had a hoarse voice come into the house and call for Alma. The volume was loud, but the tone was friendly. Alexander, why would the old man be so happy? I quickly dismissed the question, remembering that this was Lucy's specialty, not mine. When I left the bathroom, still dipping wet, I found Lucy already prepared, fixing her hair in a ponytail and keen, finally adjusting the bottoms of the suit that had been cleaned in the same way as my clothes now. Frost, as usual, came to see us before we left. That morning, though, he had a worried and confused expression, as if something was bothering him. Is there any problem, Mr. Frost? I asked him, already picking up my canoe and paddles. It's Nathan here. You know, in my absence, he usually sends a, a daily report of what happens at the university, but this is the second day in a row since he sent me the last one. Maybe a connection issue? Uh, I don't think so. The boy is so dedicated that he would cross the state looking for a stable network just to fulfill his obligations. You, uh, take good care of yourselves. Yes, ma'am. Ian sneered. The rector didn't answer or show any sign of anger. He was too tense for that. Already in the swamp, Battling hard and still feeling the dampness of the clothes cooling my body, I asked my team, So, why do we need to keep bothering the animals anyway? Bothering? He asked with visible shock. I thought you enjoyed studying these creatures. I do, Doctor, but studying them closely could be as dangerous as drying up the lake where they live. You know better than I do that animals suffer from excessive stress. The alligators around us are a perfect example of this. If most of the eggs are removed from a nest, the female eventually turns on her own offspring, devouring the few eggs she has left. This is why farmers and breeders collect only a few at a time, never more than half. Steposaurus may have a similar adaptive mechanism, Especially now that they are laying eggs. Well, that's a shame, Kevin. He continued. Because a research team must continually return to the original site and record the changes that have occurred there. Besides, Lucy and I have come up with the perfect plan to prevent anyone from pumping the water from the lake again. You have created a plan. Together? I asked incredulously. Exactly. Lucy answered with a smile. We are going to blow up the pump. Blow it up, I repeated in surprise. We had now landed at the foot of the hill, and I could feel that my clothes were slightly drier. The change was a relief from the dampness I had felt before. Having clothes sticking to your body is a terrible feeling. Why, of course. Lucy repeated with the naturalness of someone who says they are going to the market. Whoever installed this pump had enough time to also excavate the side of the basin and connect a hose to the main canon. 
This certainly happened during the first context of these animals with humans, otherwise the rascal would not have survived the endeavor. While she was explaining her hypothesis, I imagined that the current behavior of the species would not allow such a thing, really, as it had already learned not only not to fear us, but also to hunt us. When the animals were still timid, someone had installed a mechanism that threatened their survivor, but now we would not have the same opportunity to save them. I didn't believe my own words when I said, a localized explosion seems to be the best solution, really. Good boy, Keen said with a complacent smile. I knew you'd come to your senses. May I ask what my pyromaniac sis intends to use this time? I asked as we followed the side road. Something really simple, she replied, taking the title with pleasure. The mixture of acetone and antiseptic produces a chain reaction sufficient to cause a considerable explosion. Finally, Kane cut in, walking behind us. We had everything we needed right at the Bozeman Ranch. I hope Alma doesn't want to polish her nails for a while. From behind the thick mud walls, we could hear the creatures roaring, but not with the same desperate roar as before. This one seemed calmer as if the stepasaurs themselves felt the relief of having their precious pawn back. I didn't need to see them to know their well-being. All I had to do was hear them. That sound was the greatest victory of our expedition. And as I understood this, I also understood the purpose of being there. We were honoring our surname, not by bringing images to civilization and proving Lane right, but by continuing to do the work he did preserving the planet we share with these creatures. By the time we climbed the mud hill leading to the shallows, the experience seemed commonplace to us, and only Keen was gasping to get up the slope. Once at the top, the steep incline was interrupted no longer by a deserted meadow, but by a beautiful pond that filled the previously parched bed. In the distance, the animals lounged on dry land, exposing their large sails to the cool breeze coming from the opposite direction from us. See? Asked Jacob King's exhausted voice. Magnificent engineering. In the morning, they warm themselves in the heat of the sun, and in the afternoon, when the heat is intense, the wind cools the blood flowing in the sail, regulating the temperature of the whole body as it travels along the trunk and limbs. Of course. There is also what has been discovered more recently, I had to say. What do you mean? That several eupelicosaurs were not totally dependent on solar energy as modern reptiles are, but rather that they were able to generate some internal heat, although also not as efficient as mammals. But this is even more spectacular. I agree, said Lucy. But anyway, who would volunteer to go with me to blow up an ultra-expensive piece of irrigation equipment? Uh, Kevin does, was Jacob's reply. Good, then you stand guard again while we go down there. Against all rational sense, I was the only one not to participate in this suicidal dialogue and still started to turn my torso toward the footprints we had left in the ravine earlier. 
Looking over my shoulder, I could still see the animals in the distance. They showed no interest in attacking us. Most of them didn't even raise their heads to see what those small creatures were doing in the distance. When my feet finally touched the ground, I turned to face the underbrush and the dead trees that still stood as barriers to anyone who wanted to reach the pond. There could still be a predator hiding in the shadows of those branches, and our mission would require a few precious seconds. Very well. Lucy whispered, handing me a lighter she kept in her pocket. She ordered. Take this and wait to light us then. The lighter was metallic, almost square and without patterns as they used to be. It seems Lucy had the same taste of her father for antique objects. With a glance at Keen, she commanded him to perform the next step, which the biomedical doctor understood immediately. Dipping one hand into a jacket pocket and the other into the opposite one, he pulled out two sample tubes, like the ones we use to collect liquid samples such as poisons and blood samples. Rolling the tubes down the slope, Jacob let them come to us, who stopped their fall, preventing the precious contents from spilling out. Turning to the pump, he opened the nozzle that led to one of the hoses to spill the chemical compound. Hey, watch out! We heard King shout. Looking to our left, we saw one of the younger steposaurs approaching, leaving his disinterested band and coming towards us with a curious attitude. Let's hurry up, Kevin, before he gets anything more than just curious. Pour the antiseptic into the tube. Obeying, I spilled the entire contents of my bottle, which she mimicked immediately afterwards. Spraying the compound into the hose connected to the pump cannon. Turning around again, I saw that the animal was already much closer and steering the ferns a few meters away from us. Grabbing a stalk of hay, I twisted it until it exposed the inner fiber. Now! Lucy ordered. Burning this small bundle of fibers, I watched them retract and then create a flame around them. That was all it took. Next to us, we heard the footsteps of the young steposaurs, and I then threw the glowing stick into the cannon and ran off, followed by Lucy. I turned around then and could see the animal leaping out of the underbrush, its huge mouth with lethal teeth, despite its size, and then an explosion. The compound would have been enough to generate combustion and ignite the pump mechanism. But Lucy wanted to ensure that we would not have to deal with the problem again. On impact, the small predator was thrown far away and was slow to get back on its feet. Going up the slope, we climbed quickly, fearing that an adult might also want to investigate our action. Back at the top, we sat breathlessly next to King, who was perching like an owl on the steep slope. Following the trail left by the liquid combination, the fire now caused secondary explosions that wrecked the hose leading to the other side of the wall. Flames rose from the equipment, serving as a spectacles for us and for the animals that now showed interest, including the small hunter, who rose again and ran back to the safety of the band. Lucy sighed with satisfaction. A few feet down the slope, the pond pump was now pieces scattered across the meadow, 
many of them still burning and melting as the flames course through the hoses, turning all the plastic material into a shapeless, star-like matter. Almost done now, boys, she announced proudly. Almost? I questioned. What else is there to be done after this attack? Find out who started all this, Keen answered for her. We don't deserve blame for destroying the pump, but whoever originally installed it deserves to pay for what they did. Jacob kept his usual contemptuous expression when saying these words, but it seems to really intensified on that gloomy afternoon. I remembered what Alexander had asked us about being scientists or detectives and concluded that maybe we were a wee bit of both, especially Lucy and me. Whenever we reached a new expedition area, it was because of a call or even a rumor. We depended on the locals to do our work, and I could sense that we would always need to balance my paleontological knowledge with what Lucy understood about human species. Let's get going, Lucy commanded. We have something more dangerous than monsters ahead of us. Son, yeah, we exploded a pump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took oh. us a chapter to do that. Took us, but we did it. Yeah, we did. You see, that's why, you guys, for the second book, I'm trying to go for a different style. I love this style, uh, but I'm trying a new one as well. That is a uh, just like um, the Fog by Stephen King. No, mm. I've been advised by some editors to do it maybe more dynamically because. Some stories are great, you know, with this sluggish manner. Just this one, you know, as you said, it took us a full chapter to just explode a pump. But sometimes it's appreciated, you know. I mean, if you guys read Tolkien, you know that the description sometimes is... Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I couldn't finish the books. <laughs> no. Lord, the Lord of the Rings book series? No. Impossible. It's so boring. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you guys. I know that there is a whole community. It's just our opinion, no, right? Don't get me wrong. I love Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and the whole universe he built. But, man, the books are awfully boring to read. Yeah, indeed. You see, so that's why for the second book, I try to make it more dynamic. And then for the third one, I'm going back to my old style because who cares, right? So Yep, you do what we do. Yeah, I had to listen to the editors because, you know, I'm a writer. I just do what the editors tell me to. So <laughs> that's yeah. it, you uh, guys. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, we've got to obey the authorities who will pay us. So anyways. Yeah. Thank you I so mean, much, you guys. Yeah. They pay us, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know how that feels, right? I mean, 
there is always someone yeah. who has uh, authority over you. And we have to just smile and wave. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Yeah. That's so sad. That and, is. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. We are running out of time. It's just the perfect time to say our goodbyes. This was an awesome episode. We'll be seeing you next week, hopefully. So keep going for this go. Bye-bye. There you go.